this is Alan Cook with How Great Shall Be My Joy, my recent uh, podcast episode. I haven't put one out there for a number of months, but I had to do one today because of my experiences yesterday with the Washington, D.C. Temple Open House. I had four opportunities drop in my pathway yesterday regarding this open house, and it's a perfect example of how the Lord can work with you to move his work along as you um, go about your day-to-day efforts. Um, I have a junk removal business and yesterday I had appointments set up at nine o'clock and at noon and I have a good friend named Jeff um, who with his wife wanted to go to the temple open house and we set that up three months ago for this afternoon and he was going to come pick me up at two o'clock. So I was a little worried about the gap of time between the 12 o'clock appointment and the two o'clock appointment. So I took off early in the morning, went down to the nine o'clock appointment. Um, She had four bags of trash to haul away and she had four containers or packages, I guess, of bottled water that had maybe 24 bottles in each of the packages that were still good, but she just doesn't like the taste of that particular water. So I hauled those down to the truck. It didn't take very long, and I was kind of excited about that because it got me ahead of schedule. So I called the 11 o'clock appointment, or 12 o'clock appointment, and asked if I could come at 11. She said that would be fine, so I was feeling pretty good. I went back to the dump from the nine o'clock appointment and decided, contrary to my normal approach, I decided to get breakfast at McDonald's, and as I pulled around the drive-through at McDonald's, I saw across the way from me next to a gas station two yellow donation bins that you can drop off clothes and shoes and books and that kind of thing. And there was a guy standing in front of one of them pulling things out of the top of it like a pair of pants and holding the pants up next to him to see if they would fit. Now this is a guy who's obviously looking for clothes or needs some clothes or something and I just happened to notice that. I was over at this McDonald's because I wanted to make a bank deposit and the bank is next to the gas station and the bins are next to the gas station on the opposite side. So I noticed this from the drive up window. I I got my food, I pulled out, I turned to the left and I did made a quick right to go into the bank parking lot and here is the guy with his backpack who is sifting through the donation bins. Standing there now, he has walked across the front of the gas station. He's now basically on the sidewalk in front of the gas station and he's in between the bank and the gas station. So he's very close to me. So I pull up kind of close to him. I roll down my window and I just motion him over to my truck. So he comes over and I said, hey, I noticed you were kind of trying to look for some clothes or something over there just a minute ago. I have a junk removal business and I get stuff all the time that goes through my hands and I may be able to get you some stuff if I just know what you need. Well, he was uh, kind of stunned by that and got a big smile on his face and said, yeah, that would that would be great. And I told him a little bit about the kind of stuff we got. I pointed to two of the uh, packages of water that I had put in the front of my truck on the floor on the passenger side, which I decided to take home. And the other two I was going to throw away. I said, see that water right there? Somebody just threw away four of these cases of this water and they're still good. So two of them I'm going to take home. I said, that's an example of what can happen. Well, he got a big smile on his face. He said, yeah, that's great. I handed him my business card. And because what he needs is, you know, clothes or other miscellaneous stuff. 
But I handed him my business card because that's what he needs. Again, an emphasis on focusing on what somebody needs. He then took over the conversation and he said, hey man, have you got a few bucks that I can get myself a cup of coffee and maybe something to eat this morning? And I like to keep a few extra dollars in my truck just for these kind of situations because I'm out driving around town all the time. I said, sure. And in my little cubby hole in my truck, I had a $50 bill and I had a $5 bill. I usually give people one or $2. I took out the $5 bill. I gave it to him. But before I gave it to him, I reached in my backpack and I grabbed one of our temple open house cards. And I put that in, you know, with the $5 and gave it to him. And I said, here's five bucks plus an invitation to come to our open house at the temple that's going on right now. It'll be going on for another month. And that's a great place to go as well. It's kind of a spiritual message for you as well. He gets a big smile on his face and says, thanks. And I looked at this guy who was dressed in a hoodie, but the guy could pass for Steph Curry's brother, the shooting guard from the Golden State Warriors, probably the NBA's best shooter. This guy looks like his twin brother, about the same age, and he's got the same beard, got the same look. He just looks like his brother. So I said, hey, you look like, has anybody ever told you you look like Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors? And he gets a big smile on his face. He goes, yep, I've been told that before. And I said, you could pass for his brother, maybe even his twin brother. Well, he liked that as well. Thanked me for the money, thanked me for the card. And I had a new friend. So I pulled around the bank, made the deposit and went off to job number two. I got there at 11 o'clock, a lady's in a condominium, a townhouse, she's got some stuff around the back that needs to be hauled around the front, just a couple of dressers and some miscellaneous stuff. And she said, uh, she said, do you usually come alone on these jobs? I said, no, I've usually got another guy with me, but I've only got two jobs this morning because I'm going over to the, the Mormon temple on the Beltway. I've got some friends that wanna go see that this afternoon. And so I just scheduled a couple of jobs this morning. I don't really need another guy today. She said, oh, she got all excited. She goes, oh, the temple. I know, I know that building. She said, I've always wanted to go in that building. I said, well, you got about another month to go in and walk through it and see it. And then they're going to shut it down to the public for another 40 or 50 years. She goes, oh, I've got to go over there. I said, no problem. I've got a card out in my truck. I'll grab it and give it to you. So I haul the furniture, you know, back out to the truck. I grab a card. I come back. I give it to her. She thanks me like three times. Okay. And with excitement in her voice and is just thrilled that she's got a connection now on going to this open house. So I leave her job. I go to the dump. I empty the truck. I come home and it's about 1.15. I've got about 15 minutes to lie down and kind of catch my breath. And then I get up, take a shower, get ready, go downstairs. And at two o'clock, my buddy Jeff and his wife are there waiting to pick me up. From the time I get in the car until the time that they drop me back off, somewhere around five o'clock, I was constantly teaching them something about the temple, the church, or answering their questions. It was three hours of nonstop discussion. I told them a little bit about it on the way over. I gave them the height of the temple. I told them it's the third biggest one we've, this is the Washington DC temple, third biggest one we've ever built. They had been, Jeff had been wanting to see this temple for 30 years and was full of questions. So I answered questions on the ride over. I answered questions as we walked from the stake center down to the temple entrance. I said hi to a couple of 
the young sister missionaries there who I heard were from Syracuse, Utah. It's where my dad grew up, so I had to stop and say hi to them. Um, there's an elementary school in Syracuse named Joseph Cook Elementary. That's named after my grandfather. One of the girls knew that school quite well. So one of them went to Clearfield High School. Uh, my grandfather was the principal of Clearfield High School. So I got to say hi to them real quick. We're standing in line, waiting to go through the line. I'm, I'm telling them, you know, answering more questions that they had. Um, you know, he asked me if uh, when we go to church, the men sit on one side, the women sit on the other. I said, no, that's not the case. We're all just intermingled at our regular Sunday services. I explained that we don't go to church at the temple. It's closed on Sunday. We go up to our stake center, our meeting house, which is the, the parking lot that we use to get out. So as we're standing in line before we go into the temple, I'm answering questions. They put little white slippers on our feet before we entered the temple. We walked in, we walked down, we went to the baptismal font, and I explained why it's on the back of 12 oxen and why we do baptisms for the dead. And I mentioned 1 Corinthians 15, 29. We start to walk up the stairs. We, I show them the chapel. I show them a big painting of the second coming, and they ask questions about that. The paintings inside this temple are fabulous. Many of them are new. Um, one has John the Baptist uh, visiting Joseph and Oliver and conferring the Aaronic priesthood. And today, Sunday, May 15th, is the 193rd anniversary of that event. I mentioned that to them as well. We went from floor to floor and I explained, you know, certain, there are certain things you need to do to go back and enter into God's kingdom. And I gave him an analogy. I said, I said, if you go to a Washington Nationals baseball game, you can't just walk in through the gates and pick your seat. You have to have a ticket. It has to be a legitimate ticket. They're gonna scan it to make sure it's legitimate before you get in. Where you're gonna sit in the stadium basically is determined by the price you paid for the ticket. You are not allowed to take anything in except their authorized stuff which means no regular backpacks. You have to have a transparent backpack and, and, and they're, gonna, they're gonna have you, you know, pull out your wallet, take out your phone, all that kind of stuff to run you through security. I said, and once you're in there, you have to behave in a certain manner or they'll ask you to leave. I said, so the Washington Nationals, like every baseball team in, in the major leagues, controls what happens in their stadium and they have the right to do that because it's in the best interest of the safety of everybody that's in the stadium. And I said, now, if you can't get into a baseball game without going through these different steps, doesn't it make sense that God's going to be a little protective of how you get into his kingdom, given that no unclean thing can enter into the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jeff looked at me and went, yep, that makes a lot of sense. I get it. They asked me lots of different questions. We got up to, and I explained to him, we're starting in the bottom and then we're moving upwards. I told them, you're not gonna to get to see the seventh floor, the solemn assembly room, because that, they've closed that off to the public. But uh, there are you know, certain meetings that are held up there. There are very special meetings. When they do the dedication, it'll be held up there. And we, we went through the, the ceiling rooms. We showed them the bridal room. We walked through the endowment room. I said, now when you come into this one, if in, the, in, a, in a meeting in this room, the men are on one side, the women on another. He said, why is that? I said, because as a part of what you're being taught, there's certain instruction just for the men and there's certain instruction kind of tailored just for the women. It allows the person kind of conducting this meeting to look to one side and address all the women at once, look to another side, address all the men at once. It's just kind of a simple thing. And if you want to sit next to your wife, you just sit in the middle and you're all set. 
So I explained that to him. Um, all different kinds of things happened. They asked me about all the different paintings and all the different things that were going on there. When we got to the sixth floor, we, they, they stood there for about 45 minutes after going around the sixth floor. They stood there and asked me more questions. They asked me if a Muslim can go to heaven. They asked me about John the Baptist and his visitation. They asked me about a painting that was there that I had never seen before. It has kind of a Lamanite-ish woman putting a battle helmet on her son who is kneeling down in front of her. And Jeff said, well, what's that all about? I said, I don't know. I've never seen that before. A guy standing next to me commented about Hippling, uh, Helaman's stripling warriors. And I said, yep, that's what it is. And I explained that that part of it to him. Jeff said, now the Book of Mormon talks about Jesus coming down from heaven and visiting people. He said, where exactly did that happen? I said, in a place called Bountiful, but we don't know exactly where that was. Well, Jeff's very interested in proof that that happened. I told him, I said, well, you've got the book, that's one proof, but I said, I'll, I'll look up, there's been all kinds of archeological stuff discovered that shows that people used to write on gold plates and a bunch of stuff that's very similar. And I mentioned the Quetzalcoatl tradition of the Aztecs and Incas and stuff like that, that may, that may trace back to Jesus. But I told him I'd get him some more information on that. They said, while we were on the sixth floor, they said, we should go to dinner you know, on another day because we've got a bunch more questions to ask you. And I literally was answering questions for three hours straight. And it didn't stop until I, they dropped me back off at my apartment and I got out of the car. It was three hours straight of explanations, answering questions, etc. I did give him an analogy that I'll mention here that kind of illustrates why we have the Book of Mormon. And I did this on the sixth floor while we were standing there. I said, suppose you have three kids and the oldest one wants to go to Brown University. He graduates high school, he wants to go to Brown University, he gets accepted. He goes to Brown and he keeps a journal of what his experience was like in getting through college. And it's a well-kept journal. Your second, he graduates and everything's good. Your second child, a daughter, now wants to go to UCLA. She's graduated high school, she wants to go to college. She gets accepted to UCLA. Do you think it's a good idea for your daughter to read your son's journal at Brown in order to get some clues on how to be successful in college? Jeff said, well, yeah, that's a great idea. I said, okay, so the daughter reads the son's journal, goes off to UCLA, she goes to school, she graduates, but she also keeps a journal of what her experience is like at UCLA. I said, now here's the question. Your third child, another son, now graduates high school, is ready to go to, to college, and he wants to go to the University of Kansas. I said, what's the best thing you can do for that third son to prepare him for college? A, read the Brown Journal. B, read the UCLA Journal. C, read none of the journals. Or D, read both journals. Jeff said, D, no question. I said, that's right. I said, the Brown Journal, the Brown University Journal is the Bible. Written by people who had experiences over a period of time in Palestine, Jerusalem area, etc. The UCLA Journal is the Book of Mormon. Same kind of idea, going to college, same principles that give you success. Show up to class, do your homework, get to know the teacher, pick a major that you're excited about, follow the rules, don't get kicked off campus, etc. And, and it just kept in a different part of the country, but the same concepts. It solidifies 
the same principles that got your other son graduated from Brown. I said, the UCLA Journal is the Book of Mormon, just kept in a different part of the world, also valuable, and helps document and substantiate the journal that was kept at Brown. I said, does that make sense? I, and he said, yes, that's, that makes perfect sense. I said, the most, I said there are 10,000 Christian churches in the United States today, and there's one Bible. There's different versions of it, but basically one Bible. I said the, the 10,000 different churches exist because people interpret the Bible differently. The most logical thing in the world for God to do is to send another book out, just kept in a different part of the world. I said, does that make sense? And Jeff said, yeah, makes perfect sense. So Jeff takes me home, drops me off, and it was a fabulous experience. He and his wife loved it and just thought it was terrific. We took photos of him standing out in front of the D.C. temple. It was a great experience. They sent me a text message about 30 minutes ago telling me what a great time they had and how much they enjoyed it. They still have more questions to ask. We'll probably get together again and they'll ask those questions. So I come home from that experience. I get out of the car. I get into the elevator of my apartment building, and as I'm walking in the elevator, there's a lady there dressed in combat fatigues or military army-styled um, uniform gets on the elevator. First thing I said was, hey, thanks for your service. She said, yeah, no, thank you. That's nice of you to say that. And she looks at me and she says, looks like you've been to church. I said, actually, I was just over at the Mormon temple, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on the Beltway, and I had some friends that wanted to go through and see it, and I just took them on a tour for the last about three hours. She said, was it fun? I said, yeah, I'm kind of exhausted. They asked me lots of questions, but it was a lot of fun. And she says, as we're riding up the floors on the elevator, I've always wanted to go to that temple. I always wanted to go see what's inside. I said, well, you've got a month more to go and do it, and then they're going to close it down, and it, you won't be able to do it for another 40 or 50 years. She said, I'll have to go. Well, I didn't have any, I didn't have any backpack with me. I didn't have any cards on me to give her. But as she gets off the elevator, I just said dctemple.org. And I repeated it, dctemple.org. Go there. It's got everything you need to go through the temple. So that was my experience yesterday. Four different opportunities within about a four-hour period of time to point people towards the temple and what goes on there. Um, focusing on what people are doing and just naturally having conversations with them that fit into what you're doing leads to some very successful member missionary experiences. And if you have a temple open house going on in your area, milk that thing for all it's worth and invite your friends to go by having the cards with you that tell about it and just follow the spirit on how to bring it up, when to bring it up, who to bring it up with, and it will be natural and it will be an awful lot of fun. And when you're on a tour and you're getting asked lots of questions, God will put into your mind what you need to say at that moment through the gift of the Holy Ghost. That was my experience yesterday, and that's my testimony. Thank the Lord for temples. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.